Hey there, welcome to Urban Village Church. You're joining the live stream of our worship gathering. I'm Darren Calhoun, and I'm thrilled to have you join us today. Whether you're a familiar face or new to our community, we're so grateful that you're here. At Urban Village Church, we're all about being bold, inclusive, and relevant. And if you're new here, let me tell you why that matters. First, boldness is in our DNA. We are not afraid to ask tough questions, to challenge the norms, and explore new possibilities. We believe that faith is a journey of growth and exploration. So get ready to dive deep and open your heart to some fresh perspectives. Inclusivity is at the core of who we are. No matter where you're from, how you identify, or what life experiences you've had, you are welcome here. We celebrate the wild and wonderful differences that make each of us unique. You belong in this community, just as you are. And finally, we strive to be relevant. What we do as a church should connect with your everyday life. Our messages dig deep into real life issues, and our times of worship are intentional about meeting you right where you are. Our aim is to provide inspiration and practical insights anchored by the love of Jesus that you can apply to your own journey. So as we continue with our worship gathering, I want to invite you to engage with us right now. Join in the conversation in the chat, share your questions and share your thoughts or just say hi. After the sermon, we'll sometimes have a Q&A session where you can share your thoughts, ask questions and explore the message further. So keep your phone or keyboard handy. We also have an app and a digital connect card for you to fill out. It's a great way for us to get to know you better and for you to stay connected to the UBC community. You can find the link in the description or scan the QR code on your screen. So let's dive in together. Open your heart, join the chat, ask questions and fill out the digital connect card. We're excited to journey with you and co-create a vibrant community of love and support. Welcome to Urban Village Church. everyone. Welcome to Urban Village Church West and River Forest United Methodist Church. It's great to see you all this morning and um, have you here with us. We are going to stand together and worship singing this morning together. So please stand with us as you're able and we're going to sing for the beauty of the earth this morning. Sing for the beauty.
singing with us. We're going to continue in worship this morning. We're going to sing this song about what God says about us, um, despite what we might think or feel about ourselves, that this is what um, the Word of God says about us. This is what God's words to us mean and um, who we are. Uh, so I pray that this song would resonate with you today. Um, we're going to sing this song called You Say. So if you know this song, please
heads and pray with us this morning. God, thank you for these words that you cover us in. God, thank you for this promise that um, you say we are loved, you say we are held, God, even when it feels like we are um, just unraveled, God, and that everything around us is just falling through the cracks, God. Thank you for this love, um, and thank you for the words that you say about us in all moments of our life, God. Um, I pray that um, we would believe, God, that those words are true, um, that we would believe that this love that you offer for us and this image that um, we hold because of you, God, it is good, and it is right, and it is beautiful and unique. Um, thank you for this community that embodies um, this beautiful tapestry of people from different backgrounds and faiths um, and journeys of life. God, just we are all so unique and so beloved, and I'm so grateful to be here with this community. Um, I pray that you would all of us here, that we could feel that um, inclusivity and love just surround us today, God, as we hear your word and as we fellowship together, um, we hear testimony from others, God, and as we um, continue later in worship, God, that you would just be with us, um, hold us tightly today as we worship you be with Christian as he comes and shares a word with us, God, and I pray that you would just um, open our minds and our hearts to hear what, what we need to hear from you, God, today. Um, and all these things we ask in your name, amen. You can have a seat. Good morning, everyone. Uh, on behalf of Urban Villain Church and River Forge United Methodist Church, um, I want to extend a heartfelt welcome to our family, to our visitors, to all that are here, and say that we are so grateful that you decided to spend your Sunday morning with us. Um, our church, our mission, of course, is always to create a Jesus-loving, inclusive um, community that unites cities and communities all around. And what I say is that typically we stand up front and we say this alone. I would like to challenge all of us to learn this so that on Sunday mornings we can all say this together. So we can say that our mission is to create Jesus-loving, inclusive communities that ignite the city and beyond. I think that it helps us feel more comfortable because it isn't all on us. And also, I think there's a buy-in from you. Once you say it over and over again, you begin to feel it and it becomes a part of your fiber. Um, how do we accomplish that? By being bold, by being inclusive, and about being relevant. Being bold means that our teachings and what we do is rooted in the teachings of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
So based on that, you know, he paid the ultimate price and there's unconditional love. So when you come here, you are loved, regardless of your hangups and what may or may not happen, we welcome you. Regardless of your pronouns, who you love and how you choose to love, you are welcome here. Um, I have benefited from the series that Christian has been preaching about, you know, artificial intelligence, imperfect wisdom, and Katie discussed last week those barriers to how we share who we are when we want to create relationships. And what I would say is this week, as I thought about that, because I take a lot of notes, um, is that I asked God and the Holy Spirit to kind of discern and let me know what I should share, to whom I should share, and what environments. And I think part of the challenge is sometimes we will share too much too quick with people that haven't earned the right to know our story. And it doesn't mean they have to jump through hoops, but I just ask God to let me know when it's appropriate for me once I do share those things so that, you know, the rejection probably won't be so bad if they don't like me for who I am. How are we inclusive? Inclusive simply means that all are welcome here. You know, we don't have hang-ups. We don't care if you know God, you don't know God, you're figuring out you had a bad night, good night. Your college team lost last night, you know, some of mine did. It's okay, we welcome you here. Relevant means that this is what we do 24-7. This isn't something we just do on Sunday mornings. Uh, we try to live this out every single day, seven days a week. Does it mean that we fall short? Absolutely. Does it sometimes mean that we say things we shouldn't say? Absolutely. I still have not conquered that double line at the drive through McDonald's. When we had to merge, I, I still pray about it because when I have to merge, I look to the right and I look to the left. I'm getting a little better. Uh, that may seem trivial, but for me, I, I, gotta, I gotta figure that out, what my hangup is. So I just wanna let you guys know, this is what we try to do all the time. Um, also, if you look in your announcements, we have some things that we would like to bring to your attention. There are a lot of great things going on at our church. And when I say our church, Church mean, doesn't mean in the building. It's what we do out in the community as we serve others. I want to bring your attention to um, the Celebrate October. Um, this is for Housing Ford. Uh, we're asking for the months of October that you guys would be so generous as to donate socks. Uh, there will be a bin in the vestibule for you to do that. Housing Ford is a wonderful organization. I have volunteered. I was on the board of directors. They really do live out their mission um, in terms of trying to find stable housing for individuals, medical care, you name it, and they do it. So I would ask that you guys would be generous in donating socks. Um, I know sometimes we want to do different colors. I know at the shelter, we appreciated the white socks because sometimes individuals who are living with not stable housing have various things with their feet and ailments, and the white socks don't have dye in them. So, do what you want to do, but we always appreciate having the white socks. Uh, not the team. I'm a Cubs fan. <laughs> Just get that straight. Somebody may be looking. Okay, second thing, prayers and parables. Um, there's going to be a new group for me the second Thursday um, of the month from 6 to 7 in Elmhurst for parents who have children, small children. I mean, sometimes it can be challenging. How do I get my word in? I have children. Well, there's no longer an excuse. They're going to be groups and they, you guys will vote on a book and then you guys will discuss the books. And what's interesting is that the kids will be in the basement being uh, entertained by an adult and it will allow the adults an opportunity to sit, share, 
um, the word and get deeper into the word. Um, there are also additional um, announcements. If you like, you can download to app or check your, your programs. Now, all of us have these wonderful programs, the paper. I'm sure we kill a lot of trees with this, but what I like to say is that there are more things in our announcements. I would challenge you to read through it. Um, also, this is important because this third section that we can tear off together if you like. I can count to three or you can just do it however you want to do it. Um, this is important to us because it allows us to know who you are, um, how you might want to get involved, are there any special prayer requests, other things that you might suggest in terms of things we can do to meet your need because the only way we can know if we're meeting your need is you let us know what you might want from us. So we would appreciate your feedback and I would ask you to please put this in the offering basket at that time. Um, additionally, what you'll notice is that we're going to do the sharing of the piece. Um, we all have different color name tag. Um, some are green, some are yellow, some are red. It simply kind of gives you guys a head up on people comfort level in terms of respecting their personal space. Green typically means I'm okay with a fist bump. Yellow means that I may just not come a little close to you. Red simply means that, you know, I'm not comfortable and my preference is that we just wave from afar. Um, and we ask that you please just respect that. Um, at this point, we're gonna do the sharing of the peace, which is an old tradition, and we welcome you guys to do that at this point. Thank you. Thank you. 
great to see you all here today. Uh, our, our service is a little bit, I'll also welcome to our online folks. And so as always, it is really good to have all of you join us. So feel free to, uh, hope that you passed some peace emojis online and hope that you um, continue to comment. We love it when folks, if folks uh, comment with each other and so that we know that you are in our midst as well. Today's service is a little bit different uh, in that uh, you might notice there are really hardly any children here. Our families are actually doing, uh, every once in a while they do a worship walk. And so uh, they are over uh, enjoying the beautiful day of doing that. And so that is why they are not in our midst. Also, uh, in a moment, uh, I'll share more about this too. You may know Urban Village Church actually is a multi-site church. So we are located here and also we're in three locations in the city, including on the north side in the Edgewater neighborhood. Uh, we got some really difficult news a couple weeks ago. Our pastor at the Edgewater site uh, received news that she has uh, stage four ovarian cancer and had to resign uh, pretty much immediately. So we are, I'm, I need to leave, I will preach. So, uh, and then after that, uh, I'll be going over to Edgewater to talk to them about what's next for our site there. And so we won't be having communion today because of that, but Nicole will be leading us in a time of prayer, which is also really powerful and wonderful as well. So, enough of me talking. Uh, we also take time in our worship service to invite someone from our community to come up and share what God is doing in their lives. And so, during this sermon series, we've been asking folks to talk about how do you see or how do you reflect on the question, what does it mean to be human because of the people that you interact with at your workplace? So, Catherine, a prophet, is going to be speaking with us today. So, let's welcome uh, Catherine. Is that okay, Catherine? No okay. Mm -hmm. All right, here we go. <laughs> um, so, my name is Catherine Prophet. I've been attending um, for almost about a year now, um, and I've just really, really loved being here among you all. It's a wonderful, wonderful community. Um, so I will be sharing um, from the perspective of my occupation. I'm a nurse. Um, I haven't been a nurse for very long. I ended up going back to school in uh, 2019 um, to get my nursing degree. When I went back uh, to become a nurse, my idea was um, that I wanted to, you know, be sort of like a healer and um, help people to alleviate suffering. So that was sort of like the, the idea behind what I thought um, I would be doing. Um, I worked on a stroke recovery unit for the first little while and um, absolutely loved it. Um, I'm gonna share a story about one particular patient who, um, in reflecting on what it means to be human, really uh, spoke to my heart about what humanity is. And hopefully I'll be able to get through <laughs> um, so um, this man's name was Dave. He was um, about 60-something years old. He had experienced a really massive stroke. Um, so he was left um, extremely impaired on one side of his body. He couldn't really speak at all. Um, and he had just a few words that he could say with like a lot of effort. Um, he was also on a feeding tube because he couldn't eat. Um, so he needed assistance for almost everything. Um, 
I had a lot of patients before ever meeting this particular gentleman, um, and I was kind of, you know, everybody had various different needs, and um, I was really, really busy on that unit. So, like, you know, you don't, you definitely, I cared about every patient, but I didn't always have time to really um, spend time with them and get to know them. Um, one day when he was, um, probably the first day that I had him as my patient, um, I was just really struggling with him because he was supposed to get up to go to therapy, but he would just not get out of his bed. Um, and I was like cajoling and, you know, <laughs> trying to, um, and I'm like, man, I don't have time for this. Like, uh, there's so many other things I have to do right now. Like, all you have to do is get into the chair. Um, and he, he just wouldn't. And he just sat on the edge of his bed and he just, like, refused to make eye contact with me and he just wouldn't do it. And I was like, I don't know what to do because I can't leave him sitting on the side of the bed because it's safety risk, you know. So I couldn't leave his room. He wouldn't lay down. He wouldn't get up. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. So I went and got my shift supervisor and I said, I don't know what to do because, like, it's med pass. I have to go to, like, all the other rooms. And she said, well, I'll sit with him for a little bit. So, okay. So I went and did my thing. And um, that evening I went home. And he was really on my mind because I, I just thought, I'm missing something, you know. Um, so the next day I had him on my patient list again. And this um, was a day when we were going to do family education for his family that was coming in to learn how to help take care of him once he went home. Um, so during this session, I was showing them how to give him his medications through the feeding tube and whatnot. And his family was trying to be really positive. So he had adult children there, and um, they are just like, oh yeah, you know, we can do this, like don't worry, dad. And um, really like <laughs> upbeat and very, um, you know, trying to be really supportive and even making little jokes about how, like, he never liked to drink water before, so, you know, now he's going to get water through his feeding tube or whatnot. <laughs> and they were just trying to, you know, encourage him and show him that they could do it, but I noticed that he was getting um, visibly upset during the time and just not participating. So... Um, when they left, um, his daughter came up to me and said, like, how's he doing? You know, how's he really doing? And I, I struggled with what to say because the night nurse had told me the night before that he had just cried all night. So, <laughs> so I told her, I don't think he's doing very well. Um, we're going to have one of our psychiatrists come and, you know, and talk to him. He's obviously, you know, he's really depressed. Um, and she said, well... He was so independent before this, so I can see how it would be really hard for him. That night um, when I was leaving, um, we had hooked up his feeding tube, and he had, like, refused it. He kept putting his hand over the tube to stop us from uh, giving him his um, feeding. And uh, I was like, well, I, maybe I'll just wait till he falls asleep <laughs> and then just hook it up, you know, and he, he won't know. Um, and we did end up hooking it up for him, and he, he pulled it out while we were out of the room. Um, and it was, it was really bothering me. And I, I thought about my supervisor who had sat with him the day before, 
And um, so I just went in his room, then I asked him if I could sit on the edge of his hospital bed and talk with him for a little bit. And um, he nodded, but he would not look at me. Um, and so I just started thinking like, if I couldn't express myself um, and going through all this, what would I want you know, someone to do? I don't know if it was the right thing, but I just tried to think about what he might be feeling. Um, so I said, I know you must be so sad and so frustrated. Um, I said, I know you can't really tell anyone how you feel. And um, I know you're used to being so independent and this must be really hard. And I said, your family loves you so much, but maybe you don't want them to have to take care of you. Maybe you feel like this is hopeless. And um, just tears started coming down his face. Um, and then he just looked at me and he pointed to himself and he really, with a lot of effort, he said, don't want this. Um, I wanted to say something to fix it, you know? I wanted to like remove his suffering somehow. Maybe say like, um, well, it's gonna get better, you know? Um, you'll keep doing therapy, things will get easier. Um, you'll work hard, you'll make improvements, don't give up. You know, it won't always be like this. Um, but I think in that moment, he wanted someone to just like see him um, and to, to enter the suffering and acknowledge that it was real. Um, so I said, I know you don't want this. I'm so sorry this happened to you. And we just cried. <laughs> um, there was something really profound about that moment um, for me. And whenever I look, I mean, I've thought about this gentleman so often since then. Um, it was like um, that was a moment of real humanity. Um, to see, to, to be human is to experience suffering. Um, it, it's also the ability to enter someone's suffering um, and to be there with them. And I hadn't ever understood that in that way until um, that moment. It was kind of like we were being real humans <laughs> in that moment. Um, as I was thinking about sharing this morning, I thought about a um, Bible verse that I've known since I was young, um, which I always thought was like a really nice sentiment, but um, in light of thinking about this um, story, it really, really struck me. Uh, it's from Galatians. It says, bear one another's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Um, and I thought bearing someone's burden is not like something that you can do like from the sidelines or whatever, and, and it, it's not, um, it, it takes a lot of effort and you have to carry it with them. Um, so obviously we can't always do this for every single person in our lives, but this is a beautiful, beautiful part of being human and something that, um, that Jesus has um, demonstrated for us. <laughs> and I'm going to read the scripture as well. <laughs> 
Um, today's scripture comes from 2 Corinthians. It's part of a letter written by a man named Paul who talks about what real strength is. It is necessary to boast. Nothing is to be gained by it, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a person in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that such a person, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows was caught up into paradise and heard things that are not to be told, that no mortal is permitted to repeat. On behalf of such a one, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. But if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard from me even considering the exceptional character of the revelations. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Catherine. I've been so, it's the work of the Spirit that so often these <clears throat> uh, testimonies really relate well with uh, what we are reflecting on, and specifically at these sermons. I'm really grateful for that. Um, we have a men's group that meets every other Thursday, and the last time that we met, we were talking a little bit about a fancy word as archetypes, uh, or um, symbols perhaps people that we have seen in our lives whether they be fictional or non-fictional that we have looked up to uh, in our lives and so uh, it's a zoom call and so people talked about who are their heroes growing up again these could might be um, superheroes or athletes or whomever and as people were talking i was amazed at one person who popped into my mind that i had not thought about in quite some time so uh, for those of you born after 1980 uh, this is not for you um, Unfortunately, but you can go back and, and YouTube it, perhaps, for those uh, who are a little bit older, uh, like me, maybe this will ring a bell. So this was in the mid-1970s. Uh, this was a pretty popular TV show, and we're going to watch about a minute clip of the beginning of that TV show. So let's take a look. Austin, astronaut, a man barely alive. 
There's a picture of a seven-year-old Christian Kuhn holding a Steve Austin doll, Christmas morning, and a look of just wonder and excitement on my face. Uh, I was a big fan of that TV show, The Six Million Dollar Man. Uh, for those who didn't quite catch the context, he was asked, I got into this accident and they essentially rebuilt him. So he got very, he got two new legs and one arm and a m magic eye that he could see all kinds of different things uh, as well. When I thought about it, I'm not sure exactly why he captured my attention, but maybe it's that sense, as they said in the ad or in the preview, I always wanted to be better stronger, faster, better, stronger, faster. Because in my mind, Steve Austin was perfect, flawless, especially after they did all these bionics on him. Perhaps in the 1970s, they were looking ahead at AI. But he seemed to have no flaws. And that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wanted to be just like Steve Austin. So a couple of people have noted that actually today is our last sermon in the sermon series that we are talking about what does it mean to be human? We've read a lot perhaps or watched or listened to programs about AI and all of the things and wonderful things that AI can do, but also perhaps some of the dangers that AI can bring about as well. And so we wanted to take a look at is all of that information about AI, but also how often do we really reflect on, we talk about what can AI do, but what can we do? What does it mean to be us? What does it mean to be humans? It seems like whenever we talk about or hear about AI, it's kind of that same thing. They can always say AI can do things better, faster, and smarter than we can. I'm not sure if anyone actually says this, uh, but it seems like whenever we hear about AI and it talks about all the wonders of the things it can do, and you type something into ChatGPT, which I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it spits something out so quickly. And so AI is just, some people say it's better. And it's almost like they're showing a little bit, throwing a little bit of shade on humans. Like, you're good, you're okay. You can make it to a certain point. But let's let AI take it from here, because AI is just going to do things so much better than we could ever think or imagine. I was reading an article this week about how now they're using AI to try to communicate with whales. And so humans have gotten to a certain point of trying to detect clicks and ways that whales communicate with each other. And so it's almost like humans have gotten us to this point. Now, let's let AI take over, and they'll really take us further than we could even imagine. In a way, it's perhaps saying, humans, you're okay, but we can do better. There's always something further we can do. And so my question today, and reflecting on this, is, is being better, better? Is being better, better? Is it congruent for those of us 
who either call ourselves Christians or who are curious about the journey of Christ, is that notion of always having to be better, more perfect, is that congruent with who we are as Christians? Is it congruent for the life of Christ? This strive for perfection. And I've seen this in lots of different ways. And at first it might seem harmless, but sometimes it, for whatever reason, it just sticks in my mind. And one of these things, one example that I see is this word excellence. And it is happening a lot in the church, at least in the circles that I am traveling in, especially in the United Methodist Church. People are talking about, we must do things with excellence. And I have kind of a love-hate with this word. Now, I don't want you to go away from this today saying, well, the pastor says we should never approve on anything in our lives. <laughs> it's not what I'm saying. But it's interesting. I just typed in excellence and United Methodist Church this week in the search engine. So there is the denomination. I didn't know this. The denomination has a scholarship, Excellence in Clergy Leadership, a conference in an area of the United Methodist Church in the Southeast says they have an office of clergy excellence. Another uh, conference in the deeper South, clergy excellence report. Somebody stood up every year, Methodists get together, and they gave the clergy excellence report. Another conference in the Midwest, they have a clergy excellence staff. So in a sense, they're saying we can be better, we can be stronger, we can be faster. Come on, everybody, you can do it. We're okay now, but we can be better. I would kind of love it if there was a scholarship for pretty good in Christian clergy leadership. <laughs> or clergy pretty good staff. Not bad way of doing ministry. And I wonder if this is perhaps, especially today as we read this passage from 2 Corinthians, if it's more in line of who we are as followers of Christ. It's interesting in looking at, at Paul today. So for those who uh, might not be as familiar with the Bible today, we're reading, if you go back farther in the New Testament, uh, you find all of these different books called Galatians and Corinthians, all these kind of big words. And many of these are letters. So these are written, many of them, written by this man named Paul, who was kind of a Christian evangelist extraordinaire. He was really the first church planter, you might say, planting all of these churches, a lot of them in what is today Greece and Turkey. And Paul is writing these letters to these churches in these different cities. And today we're reading from this uh, place in Corinth. And in the text that Catherine read for us, we're reading there's some charges that have been brought against Paul. And in fact, this is in, we didn't read this today, but in chapter 10, verse 10, Paul writes this. For someone says, Paul's letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Isn't that interesting? For Christians, so many Christians, especially Paul, it's almost like some people put Paul up above Jesus, like they love who Paul is and Paul can do no wrong. And the churches that he was writing to are saying, this guy, his presence is weak, his speech contemptible. They're not a fan of who Paul is. Because his opponents thought that the best way to prove excellence was to have signs, wonders, visions, revelations. And so Paul, at first, disagrees with this. 
You don't need to have all of these visions in order to really fully live into the life of Christ. But Paul decides to play their game. And that's what we read in our passage today. He says, it is necessary to boast. And then he begins to talk about Now, Paul here is kind of talking about uh, in the third person. And I know such a person, but actually most scholars believe that Paul's really talking about himself here. And so Paul talks about these visions that he has. But again, Paul thinks that this form of one-upmanship, this way of saying, you think you are excellent? Let me show you excellence. But he said, that's defeating the whole purpose. I'll play your game so that you know I'm legit. But now let's take a look at how this really works. Instead, Paul is saying that having experiences from below rather than experiences from above provide the arena in which he has most keenly experienced the power of God. So here again, Paul is saying he talks about this thorn given to him in the flesh. And friends, if you want to read biblical debate, uh, go online and figure out, when people try to figure out what this thorn means, uh, there are so many people who think so many different things, and the thing that kind of drives me bananas is everybody is just so confident that this is the thorn. Some people, do, it doesn't matter what kind of theological background you have, if you are on the left or the right, whatever, some people are saying, uh, actually, this thorn is bad eyesight. Others say stomach problems. Others say epilepsy. Others say the thorn is actually the opponents that Paul is facing. There's some folks who actually wonder if Paul was struggling uh, with same-sex attraction. So people all over the map are talking about this. This, this thorn, really, Paul means this. All of that doesn't really matter. We miss out on what the point, I think, is of this text. And here, this is a biblical scholar named Carl Holliday who talks that Paul means it's about what it means to follow Jesus. And specifically, he says, it was the cross after all. It was the cross that epitomized weakness and impotence. Yet it was precisely through the cross, the symbol of weakness, that God had chosen to exhibit redemptive power. Paul said, you can talk about all of your excellence. You can give your reports. You can shine the light of these people who are doing these amazing things, no matter what field you are in. But you are getting caught up in something that doesn't really matter. Because as Paul ends here in this passage, he says, for whenever I am weak, then I am strong. I was thinking this week about uh, a woman who is now in her mid-30s. And I first met her when she was 17. I did, um, or even maybe younger than that, actually. She's probably in her early teens. I did a, a field education experience when I was in seminary at a church in the city. And I did it with a couple of other students uh, at the time, uh, one of whom was a woman named Sherry Lowley. And Sherry has a daughter named Tema. Uh, and Tema is severely disabled. I'm going to read from some uh, quotes here from an article that was written uh, about Tema. Uh, and this, was, this article was written about 20 years ago, but really not much has changed for them uh, in their lives. So first, just let me explain a little bit about who Tema is and what she is facing. Tema is cortically blind, meaning that her eyes function normally, but her brain can't interpret the signals. 
She weighs 80 pounds, wears diapers, and has to be given suppositories for chronic constipation. She has to be fed through a surgically implanted tube. She has two types of spinal curvature, kyphosis and scoliosis. Both her elbows are permanently dislocated and her feet are curled. She frequently gets congested and must be laid face down, her mouth above a bowl to drain the phlegm. She can't stand or sit on her own. When she goes outdoors, she has to be put in a stroller that has a chest strap and neck brace to hold her up. She frequently has seizures during which her muscles tense and she loses what little bodily control she has. She makes grunting or whining noises to indicate distress but doesn't speak. She rarely smiles but then only faintly. She does respond subtly to being touched, but her parents and other caregivers aren't sure she knows them from anyone else. Her father, Tim, says it's troubling not to know how Tema feels. He says every time someone says, what does Tema like, we can suggest things but we think she, that, she, that we think she enjoys, but we don't really know. Her father, Tim, is actually an artist, and so if we could put up, um, and he's, he's uh, done different, actually, if you could do the other one, Marilyn. Um, this is entitled Tema on Earth. And he has done variations uh, of Tema over the years, different pieces uh, of art. And I remember thinking at the time, and I think perhaps this is the human thing to do, is when I met Sherry and met Tema, and the congregation did their best to make Tema part of the community. She was there in the worship, and she would make her the grunting noises and everything else. But then also, you just couldn't help but feel sorry for both her and for her parents. And it was hard to see, at least for me, it was hard for me at first to see her as anything, she must be such a burden for them. Now, I don't want to make it sound like it's, it's challenging, and Sherry has talked about it. She blogs about the challenges of raising Tema, who's now 36. But in this article that I read, there's another United Methodist pastor in our area named uh, Marty Scott. Some of you know Marty. She pastors at uh, Euclid Avenue United Methodist in Oak Park, and she knows the lowlies. And she talked about Tema in a different way. And she said this. She said, I like to say that Tema is one of my favorite theologians. I really believe that we are made in the image of God. Tema is representative of a part of God we would never know without knowing her. There has been such controversy in the church over who speaks for God. There are people who think that the only person who can preach is an ordained pastor, and those who say that there are persons of God who, of God who speak who are not ordained but have a special gift for teaching, and others who say any human can speak for God. The thing that I like about Tema, Marty said, is that Tema doesn't say anything. She is the incarnate presence of love. She doesn't fight with anyone. She doesn't call anyone a heretic or a pagan. She is just very accepting. And when one thinks about the unmerited love and grace of God, she kind of personifies that for me. So often in our society, and I don't mean to just pick on Methodists talking about excellence, but I think we see this in so many different parts of our society. We can be better. We can be stronger. We can be more perfect, what we do to our bodies, how we do in our jobs. And then when we fall short of that, or somebody else says, you are falling short of that, we just feel awful about that because our society says, better, stronger, faster. Better, stronger, faster. Then you'll be really accepted. 
And as Christians, I think we fall into that trap as well. I certainly do. Sometimes my poor wife, she'll come up and say, oh, I really liked your sermon today. And sometimes my first reaction is like, oh, I didn't think it was very good at all. It wasn't good enough. Therefore, I'm not worthy enough. And then Paul comes along and says, uh, hello, it is when I'm weak that I am strong. It is through my cracks. It is through my imperfections. It is when I don't get it right. It is, that's when God can say, now I've got an opportunity here. When someone stands up and says, I've got it all made. I am perfect. I am excellent. Sometimes perhaps I mean, God can do anything through anyone, but sometimes perhaps I can imagine God saying, I'm having a hard time making it through here because this person's ego is just so big. Mm-hmm. But when we are vulnerable and when we are weak and when we are broken, that's when the light shines through, I think. Friends, we are not perfect. We will never be as good in some ways as AI. We'll never do things as fast as AI. We'll never be as strong as Steve Austin, all of these things. But you are you. You are human. You will fall and fail and stub your knee. And that is the moment when God will shine through. Mm-hmm. Let us be good with that. Mm-hmm. To say, I'm not bad in following Christ. I'm pretty good. Some days, ah, I could be a lot better. And that's when God does God's best work. That's what it means to be human. Thanks be to God for that. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks for the many ways that you work in our lives. We thank you for the imperfections. Sometimes we try so hard to hide them, and we do our best to only present our best selves. Help us to see that you really shine through when we are at our worst. Help us to continue on that journey of love, knowing that you are with us as we do so. And all this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we respond to God's word in a couple of different ways. Uh, in a moment, as I mentioned, Nicole is going to come up and uh, receive prayers from folks who would like to do that. Uh, also, right now, we're going to uh, have pass the plate up and down the row. And so uh, that tear off earlier, if you could uh, put that in the basket, that would be an enormous gift. Or you can scan the QR code that's on the front of the bulletin. If this is your first time here in our community, uh, you may notice some people are giving financially. Feel no compulsion to give. You're our guest. We're thrilled that you're here. Just that tear off would be great. Uh, if this is your community, we invite you to think about giving either in the plate or online. Uh, and uh, there's info about how you can do that uh, as well. So, uh, and I've got to go to Edgewater, so pray for me as I do that. So let us bring our gifts.
class. Hello, I'm Nicole Scott. I'm a volunteer around here, and I am going to lead us in the prayers of joys and concerns. If that's something new for you, where I grew up, we call it prayer requests and praise reports, if that's more familiar language for you. Um, and this will be a time of just lifting up those things that you want prayer for or that you're grateful for that you want to share with the community. If this, again, is new to you, this is the time where we actually like speak those things out loud. So does anyone have any joys or concerns? Yes. Oh, wow. Everybody hear that? Lucy's father passed away yesterday, so she's headed to Mexico to be with him. Yes? brother Marty passed away and the celebration of life is Friday and they would like prayers for the family. Yes? My joy is that we're here to stay here at Forest United Methodist Church, which is the church we grew up at. Visiting River Forest United Methodist, having grown up here. So wonderful. That's amazing. So good to have you. And I have a joy as to how this church has become what it is. I'm, I'm loving this community, this inclusiveness. Um, it's really different. <laughs> <laughs> for the inclusive community here at River Forest United Methodist Church. How different it is. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Um, uh, some prayers for Michael is having some serious mental health challenges. Some prayers for him. Michael? And also Joy has got a new job. You got a new job? Oh, beautiful. All right, so celebrating a new job and a friend um, who is having some mental health challenges who needs prayer. The middle name of one of our daughters is Joy, but that's not the one that we want to express our joy for. Our daughter Anastasia Hope Lyon is here, and as we wind our way from California back to upstate New York, we have a chance to spend a little time with her, and that is a joy. Mm. parents celebrating being with her here. Thank you for sharing. It's good to have you. Yes. Put on the market, so I, I would just like prayers for safety 
smooth interactions with my siblings. Yeah. Jerry, if you didn't hear, traveling to Oklahoma to clear out his mother's home who passed. Safe travels, prayers, and those being with the siblings and having a smooth time with them. Thank you, Jerry, for sharing. Anyone else? Yes? A family, like a family friend of ours, um, their grandparents, like on one side and the other side, passed away just recently, so there's prayers for that family. Okay. Family friend whose grandparents passed away. Thank you for sharing. Yes, Shelby. I remember Leah twice. Um, Yeah, our community member, Leah Schweitz, who's moving through chemo treatments for cancer, so praying for her and her boys. Okay. Yes, one more way in the back. From, from our online community, uh, Anne's praying for daughter Emma to get a job for child care to regain health, uh, and Karen is praying for financial abundance. All right, I think I heard that. So Anne from online is praying for her daughter. Yes. And Karen for financial help. Okay, thank you for sharing online. All right, well, I thought maybe since Christian let me do this, we could try something. Um, and just to take a moment before we pray with words to Pray in a different way, something that might feel new to you. Practice sort of an embodied and wordless way of praying that you can take with you anywhere you go, anytime. So if you're willing to do that with me, it'll just take two minutes. If you um, are interested in trying something new, just close your eyes and begin to notice your breath. And we're going to pray by holding someone in our heart. This might be something that you have not learned before, but you may have done intuitively. So often we pray with words, just continue to breathe as I share. And that's largely a mental activity and it's good, the mind is good, but it's only a part of what Jesus recommended. He said, you must love the Lord your God with your whole heart, with your whole soul and your whole mind, which is a full body knowing. Love lives and thrives in the heart space. So now as you have your eyes gently closed, just notice your heart space. You might even put your hands on your heart. You don't have to though, you can just notice it. Even just notice your heart beating, your blood flowing. And now picture someone, maybe someone who shared today or a prayer request that was lifted up today, maybe someone you know that was spoken or not spoken, that you would like to lift up in prayer, just pick one and picture that person. And picture their face and what they look like. And now, almost like you're grabbing something on your device with your finger or your cursor, drag that person into your heart space. It might feel a little tricky if you've never done this before. Just try it. 
Now take a moment just to hold that person in your heart. And I'll just take a moment in quiet, and then I'll pray. Dear God, we just notice how it feels to hold these people in our hearts, the place where you dwell. We thank you, God, that you are present and that you are good. And we name that there's so much mystery in this life. So God, as we celebrate your goodness in people being together and enjoying their family members and visiting church and marking the joys of the church becoming what it is now. We also lift up all of these concerns, people who have passed, whose families are hurting and grieving. God, we thank you that you draw near that you promise to be present and to sustain us. For those who are struggling with mental health issues, with illnesses, God, may you see them, that they will not feel alone. May you draw others near them as well. Lord, for those who are dealing with things that have not been named today. I thank you that you see them too. I pray that they would dare to reach out to you and to know that it is important to you to hear from them. And maybe perhaps even reach out to someone else. As Chris said, a safe person. I thank you for everyone here and who you brought today. I thank you for this time to be able to come together as a community and lift up our joys and concerns. Thank you for being the God that holds it all together. Amen. stand and sing um, one more song together, but I also want to invite you to um, sit if you would like and just contemplate, continue in prayer. Um, if you would like to sing along, obviously you're welcome to do so with us, but um, this song is kind of newer. Um, so I just invite you to uh, worship with us in a way that feels true to you right now in this moment, and if you want to continue in prayer, um, that is perfectly fine. If you um, want to step out, that's also fine. If you want to take this time to 
um, fellowship with other that's, that with each other, that's also fine as well. But we're going to um, sing this song together called Wonderfully Made. Um, and then after we sing a little bit, um, Nicole's going to come back up and give our benediction and we can head out to coffee hour. Um, so again, you're welcome to sing along, but I know this song might be newer, so you're also welcome to listen. Yeah. 